All right, all right, all right. Hey, if you got a Bible, go ahead and grab your Bible, turn it on, whatever you need to do. James chapter 3 is where we're at. James 3, 1 to 12 is where we're going to be at uh, this morning. So go ahead, open that up, uh, turn it on, whatever you need to do to get ready. And, uh, and let me ask you a question uh, as we're as we jumping in here today, just to get us ready for what we're doing, part two of our series. So detox, we'll unpack that, what that means if you weren't here last week. Um, but how many of you, let me ask a question, uh, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you, look at the person next to you and tell them what it is, the completely honest answer, just by raising your hand. But how many of you, at some point in your life, you had a nickname? Anybody ask you? Maybe Carrie, maybe some of you say, a lot of people, you have had a nickname, right? Um, I remember when I was little, um, and it, it didn't follow me into uh, it didn't follow me into middle school, it didn't follow me into high school, but uh, really uh, young in, uh, in elementary school, I had a nickname. And the nickname that kids affectionately gave me in grade school was Dumbo. Why do you think they gave me that name? Why would you say my ears? What is your problem, people? Oh my gosh, exactly right. Something about your ears, exactly right. I guess it's still to this day, but it's just been that that my talking about. It's my ears. My ears just, like, like when I was in, if you were to see pictures of me when I was little, I was a freak of nature because I had these enormous ears and strong wind would come through and just suck me up and take me away and shake me to the ground every time I'm going to um, but one thing Scott did because God loves me uh, in uh, middle school, high school, because he knew I had really big ears and got attention, is uh, God made my head really big and gave me a really large forehead. Um, puberty was awesome. I can't imagine. If you never been through it, just what you do. And so that's what happened to me. Uh, but that was my thing. And here I am, years removed from that. And then I can say, I still remember that. What did you check that? I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. That's just my counselor telling me. Or anything. It doesn't affect me really today. But I can still remember instances when I was called Dumbo in second grade. And you know, that's, that's funny. It's kind of humorous. Today, we've all got that thing. But here's what I know. We're talking about today on July Sunday. It's really sunny outside. And I don't know a lot of you, but here's what I know. And it's something that we all have in common. Is we could all go around this morning and we could take a few moments and probably every person in the room could share something someone had at some point in your life said to you that's, that to this day still has a profound impact on who you are. Maybe it's something they said to you that was really good, it was really encouraging, and still to this day, you remember it, you remember where you were, and then it just shapes you. Or, on the other hand, somebody said something to you extremely negative, and it hurt. And it hurts today just as much as it did when they first said it. I bet we could all go around and everybody's got a story, an instance, an anecdote about something somebody said that to this day, it still affects you. How many of you, you, you remember this saying that a lot of kids used to say, and a lot of kids still say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will what? Never hurt me. True or not true? Not true. Not true. You can recover from a broken bone, what I've seen in my experience, quicker than you can a harsh one. Words hurt. 
And so here we are, we're in part two of a series called Soul Detox. And what we're doing every week in this series, in a four-week series, two more weeks after this, what we're doing is we are going underneath the surface. We want, we want God to do something in our church, in our lives. I want God to do something in my life during this series that goes underneath the surface. And so what we're talking about is we're talking about things that maybe we don't talk about a lot. You know, because we take a lot of care for ourselves physically. We might watch what we eat, exercise a little bit. We take really good care of ourselves. We try to. We do a lot of things physically for the outside. But what about the part of us that nobody sees? What about the part of you that nobody sees as you're in the seat? We care a lot about our bodies, but what are we doing to take care of our souls? And so last week we talked about toxic thoughts. You go to sunhazard.com, you can download that. We just talked about how our thoughts impact us. Good or bad, mostly bad, we talked about last week. We talked about how, how our, our thoughts can be toxic. We talked about all kinds of different categories of toxic thoughts and, and how that can impact us. And today we're talking about toxic words. Because I don't know if you realize it or not, but do you realize that you are always talking? Do you know that? You're, you're always talking. Either externally, there's dialogue, you to somebody else, maybe you're sending a text message, maybe you're tweeting something out, maybe you're putting up status on Facebook, or there's always internal dialogue. You're always talking. I'm always talking. And for a lot of us, we don't even about what we're saying. We don't even consider how what we're saying can impact us for the good or the bad. And so here's what I want to do today, and I hope that you're tagging along with me. I hope that you're tracking with this and, and you're engaged. Because today, I want to do a gut check. Okay? Do, do you know what a gut check is? You ever, you ever done a gut check? Uh, a gut check, in case you don't know what it is. A gut check is when you go to the bathroom sometime during the day, and you look at the mirror, and you go and you look at the side. And you're doing a gut check. What do you do when you're doing a gut check? Here's what you do. Check it out. Check it. How's it looking? How's it looking? And so when you think this, oh, it's not looking good. Oh, it's, oh, it's not. You might try to grab it, put it back in, in place. You know, so you just squeeze it in, drink some of the duct tape, and you know, that sort of thing. You know, maybe, maybe you think, oh, man, you know, oh, God, that's good. Go to the gym a little bit. Oh, man, I need to. Hey, boy, what are we doing? We're doing a gut check. See how it looks, see how to do it. And today I just want us to do a gut check with our words. But the mirror that we're going to use is the mirror of God's Word, the Bible. And I think that when we look at the Bible as God's Word as our mirror, I think we'll be surprised about how God talks about the way that we talk. Because just like last week, we saw that God really cares about what we think about. Today we're going to see God really cares about what we talk about. So James 3, 1 through 12 is where we're going to be. And this is going to be all kinds of different verses today. All the other verses are going to be on the screen, so don't worry about it. But James 3 is our, our, our basis for today, right? We're going to spend a lot of time there. So James 3, 1 to 12 is where we're going to be. Awesome passage of Scripture. Awesome. Underline this. I like what we're at. Whatever you need to do, man. God gives us some great things here about what we say. So James 3, 1 to 12. Let's read this. It says this. Not many of you should become teachers. My brother. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
Now stop, because every time I read that anywhere I'm ever at, somebody asks me a question about what that means. All that means is this. If you preach the Bible, if you teach the Bible, you talk a lot. Like me, I'm a preacher, I talk a lot. Here's the proof. You're listening, I talk. See? And what God means when he says, if you teach, you'll be held to a greater strictness. He just means this. Hey, if you're talking about the Bible all the time, preachers and teachers, you better make sure you're saying the right stuff. You better make sure you're not using this for, for your own gain and that sort of thing, because one day you're going to get an account preacher about what you say about God. So he says, hey, you know what? You might want to be careful as to what you say. That's all that means. Let's go on to what he does here. But we all stumble in many No way. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. And he will also bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at ships also. Though they're so large and are driven by strong winds, they're guided by a very small road. Wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member. Yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, reptile and sea creature can be tamed, and has been tamed by mankind. But, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, bless our Lord and Father, with it, the first people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth, from blessing and person, my brothers, these things are not to be said. Does the spring pour forward from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Hey, would you pray for me? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, right now, I think you want to do something really significant in lives. So, Father, I pray that right now we would do whatever we need to do to, to put our hearts in a position where we can hear from you. Because, God, there's somebody in the room that don't even believe in you or they're not a Christian. They would invite you to check this out. Well, there's somebody here. They, they, they've known you for decades. You want to say something to the purpose of you want to say something to the youngest, to the oldest. And God, it would be a tragedy if we left and we didn't hear you. So let us hear what you want to say to each of us in our own specific way. And God, I pray that at the end, nobody can sit still. Pray that at the end, when we all leave, when we get in our cars, we would all leave different people. I'd be different. Everybody in the band would be different. Every volunteer that's here, every person, every man, woman, child, we all be different. God, do it. Do something awesome today. We ask you to your glory, your glory alone. Your name. Amen. Hey, I want us to see three things today about the word we say. Three things today that we just read about in James 3 about the words that you and I say. If we're going to get our hands on toxic words and understand the significance that our words can have on other people when we say it to other people or to ourselves when we say things to ourselves, we need to see at least three things today. And the first thing I want us to see is that words are powerful. Words are Powerful. In fact, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, it says this, that if the tongue is the power of death, 
in life. In the tongue, in the words that we say, is the ability to build people up or it's the ability to tear people down. In the words that you say to other people or the words that you say to yourself, it's the ability to change someone's life for the good or the bad. Words are powerful. In fact, the Bible starts out, first chapter, proving this one. God created everything. The world, galaxy, sun, moon, stars, animals, people, everything. And what did God use? What did God do? You tell me. Somebody scream it out as soon as you know. How did God create everything? With his what? Words. He, he spoke. God spoke and there was light. God spoke and there were mountains. God spoke and there were planets and sun and stars and everything. God spoke and things came into existence. Why? Because words are powerful. Okay, now you and I, you need to understand it. So you don't go out and try it. Okay, I don't want anybody going out and trying to do that, trying to create this by words. You know, so you don't go out. Brontosaurus, you know, or something like that. I don't know. But don't try it. Because listen, God God, we're not. God is creator. I'm not a creator. We're made in God's image, which means, which means we share some similarities with God. But we're not creators. We just enjoy God's creation. But still, words are power. And you can bring life or death simply by words. Let me give you some examples of that. Let me give you some categories of really toxic words. You're thinking, how can, how can my words bring death? Well, let me just give you some examples. Not an exhaustive list, but just some categories for toxic words. Maybe you struggle with one or all of these. Here's the first one. How about gossip? Gossip. Some of you think gossip is a national pastime. Okay? Go look at it. Okay? Right? But gossip. Now, now just so we're all clear. Let's define gossip, okay? Here's what gossip means if you score at home. Gossip means this. Gossip means to spread information about someone for no legitimate reason. Let me give that again, and then let's just clarify and elaborate on a little bit. Gossip means this. To give information about someone, and it doesn't matter if the information is true or false. But to give that information... For no legitimate reason. To give that information, doesn't matter if it's true, doesn't matter if it's not true, for no good purpose whatsoever. And so listen, I really want us to get this, okay? This is not gossip. Here's what's not gossip, okay? Happens to me all the time. People come to me, accidentally, and I'd like to have this morning on a couple of occasions. People come up to me and I'll say this. Mark, I've got a friend. And a lot of times people do that, they're talking about themselves, they're just like, right? But here's what they say. Mark, I've got a friend, and sometimes they name the friend, and they'll say, Mark, here's what they've done, here's what they've said, here's what they're going to do. How can I help them? Do you see that? So they're not coming to me with information just for information's sake. They're not trying to run their reputation through the blood. Here's why they're coming to me. They're coming to me to get some counsel on Mark. Here's a friend, somebody I love, somebody I care about. They've done this, they're going to do this. How can I help them? So it's not gossip. To go to an appropriate person and for you to get help, to try to help your friend, your family, your loved one. That's not gossip. This is gossip. That is gossip. You just got some juicy information. You know what I'm saying about juicy information? Like you just found out what they did last time. Right? You just found out what they did last time. 
and you're at church, stop lying. Right? So you listen, listen. If this, if this ain't you, you take your halo, you can throw. Okay? I'm talking to real people because I know I'm talking to you today. Don't act all spiritual. I'm going to do that a lot. Whatever. Whatever. It's just killing me to tell somebody what they did. Now, now you're trapping me. Oh. We suck it up. We suck it up. We suck it up. We suck it up. Thank you. 
famous phrase was, didn't matter how good everything was, Eeyore always walked around and said this, Oh, God. <laughs> like, we in the food could just get the jackpot and honey, and Eeyore, Oh, probably going to make fat. <laughs> Do you know these people? I remember when we were starting summer about two years ago, we started to tell people we were going to start this church, then doing this kind of thing in East Kentucky, and here's what a lot of people said. Nobody will come. <laughs> or, or we had Christians say this. Good luck. Glad God's told us to do it. Probably won't work. <laughs> right? Negative people. Negative. Complaining all the time. Constantly criticizing. Toxic words. Let me give you one more. Angry. Angry words. Toxic have, have you ever, have you ever been in the moment where you were just so angry at somebody and you said something, but what was in your head you didn't leave it there? You, it actually came out, and as soon as you said, you were to take it back. You ever been there? You ever been there? And your words, hospitals. And here's how powerful words are. We just read verse 2 again. It says this We all saw in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's perfect. People say it all the time, hey Mark, I'm not perfect. Listen to me, church. Listen, listen, listen. You want to be? Want to be perfect? God says in Genesis 3 2, all you got to do to be perfect is get 100% perfect control over your tongue, over what you say. If you can do that, you're perfect. See, some of you are thinking, well, then I am, because I don't gossip. I don't complain, and when I'm angry, I don't say anything, I just walk away and groom on the inside, which is real healthy. Right? I'm not doing any of that. Listen, this is some of the most toxic things that we say, we say to ourselves. Some of the most toxic things we say, we're not saying them to other people, we look good on the outside, we're saying them to ourselves. We walk around, God will never work this out. I think we've got to abandon our family. We, we never say that. You say it to you. I'm so stupid. So ugly. I can never do anything right. What do you say to you? See, words are powerful because number two, words reveal what's underneath. Words show what's going on underneath the surface. Let's read verses 11 and 12 again because they're the weirdest verses that we read and, and, and they're the most penetrating verses. That we read. Don't miss 11 and 12. This is the chapter spring 11 and 12 here. It says this. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? See, when you're reading the Bible and there's a question, you should answer that question to yourself. And there's a question. Hey, does a spring, when they jammed the people that they tried to, when they think of spring, they would have thought of a body of water they could go to and get a cool drink to parts their thirst. They would have thought of something that could, that could refresh them, cool them off on a hot day. And you could think of it this way. Imagine you're really thirsty and you look and you find a water fountain. And you go to the water fountain, you're accepting that water fountain, you quench your thirst, you push the button, you pull the lever, whatever you have to do, water comes out, you've been over to get a drink from the water fountain. You're expecting good, cold, fresh water, and all you get is salt water. Is there anything nastier than salt water? Right? If like you're in the beach, and you're like, this is so good! And you just get that mouth Right? And then you start to gag because God designed salt water to make you almost die. And, you know, and so if you, 
Call me on that. Call me on that. But it's just just nasty. It's horrible. You go to the water fountain, you're expecting to find a cool drink of water. And listen, if that were to happen to you, what would you say? You would do this. This is exactly what 100% of the crowd would do that. You'd do this. You go to the water fountain, you expect fresh water, all that comes out is salt water. You back away from the water fountain and you say this. What's wrong with this thing? What's wrong with this water fountain? Oh, goodness. And in that moment, you're exactly right. In that moment, you're exactly right. See, because the problem is not salt water coming out of the water fountain. The salt water is simply a symptom of the deeper problem. The problem is inside the water fountain. Whatever it is, salt water is just a symptom. So he says this in verse 11. Does a spring pour forth? Does a, does a body pull water that should refresh you? Does it give you salt water? The answer is no. He goes on to get a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives. The answer is what, church? No. Or a grapevine produce figs. The answer is what, Summit? Neither did a salt pond yield fresh water. You say, that doesn't make sense. Here's what he's doing. He says, hey, if you go to that water fountain, all you get is salt water. You're going to back away and you're going to say, what in the world is wrong with this fountain? And here's why. Because the salt water isn't the problem. It's just a symptom of the problem. The problem is underneath the surface. Listen to me. I wish that our church would be a church that gets what I'm about to say. In fact, you don't get anything else for the rest of the sermon. I would be satisfied if you get what I'm about to say. Here, listen to me. God never says simply stop. Some of you, you're not a Christian and you back away from church because all you heard from God was that God is some kind of positive kill joy, doesn't want you to do anything, ruins all your fun, God's in heaven, all he does is say stop. All he does is say no. God never simply says stop. Here's why. Because God, yes, God is interested in your behavior, but God is more interested in where your behavior comes from. God is more interested in where my behavior comes from. On the page of every Bible underneath it is the question, why do you do what you do? Can a water fountain that's meant to get full water be salt water? No. If it does, there's a problem with the source. James is saying this. You know why we say toxic words to ourselves? You know why we say toxic words to other people? The problem is not our words. The problem is deeper than our words. Our words are just a symptom of the problem. Because here's what the Bible says. Everything that we do, everything we do, everything we do, think, say, feel, everything flows from our hearts. Everything flows from our hearts. So Jesus would say this in Matthew 15, look at all the strength. Jesus would say this, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the way. Heart. And this defiles the person. Jesus says what? The words you say come from your heart. Every word I say shows what's going on underneath the surface of my life. Every word I say, every quote-unquote small talk, every tweet, every status, every word flows from my heart. And listen, from God's perspective, words are not words. They show what's underneath the surface. If you want to know how I'm doing, listen to how I talk. If, if you want to know what's going on in my life, listen to how I talk. Because God views words as more than words. It's an indication 
of what's going on underneath. Let me give you the clearest example of this in the Bible. Look at Numbers 14. It's right here on the screen. Numbers 14 says this. Moses went to Israelites to the promised land. They're in the desert. They're complaining about no water in the desert. I don't know where they got the wind over there. There's going to be water in the desert. Let down from the beginning. That's a good point. All the Israelites grumbled, complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in or in this room. So they're just walking around the land. They ain't no water. They ain't no food. They ain't no place to eat. They ain't no bathroom. If we had died in Egypt, we'd be better than this. My kids want something to drink. My wife wants something to drink. I want something to drink. Moses is fixed. And then God comes. And what's what God says about that complaint? Look at this. Number 14, 11, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, How long will these people treat you with contempt? Watch this. How long will they refuse? To believe in me. All they did was talk about, hey, you're going to get a drink. And God comes, because words are not just words from God's perspective. God comes and says, you know what? There was a time when these people were at the brink of the Red Sea. I split that bad boy, and they walked across it on dry land. Now, I'm giving them bread to eat that falls from the sky every day. They're complaining about water, and they're really complaining about me because their complaining isn't just complaining. It's a lack of faith is what God says. God says they don't have a water problem. They have a God problem. Deep down, they don't think that I can provide. Listen, the point of the sermon is not stop complaining. Now, we wish that was the point of the sermon because we like to focus on behavior. God wants to get underneath what we do and go beneath the behavior and change the source. The point is not stop complaining, but maybe we should pull back and ask, what does my complaining do to me? What does it say about what I really believe? How does the way that I talk about other people impact me. Because every word I say reveals my heart. Listen, if our words are bitter, it's because I'm bitter. If, we, if our words are angry, it's because we're angry people. If, if, our word, if there's no thankfulness in our words, then it's because we're not thankful people. Listen, because what's in here will always come out. And if it's not in here, it will never come out. And what God wants to do is God wants to go underneath the surface. And he says, hey, you know what? If you want to change the way that you talk, then the source for where you talk comes from, that needs to change. If you want to change, your heart needs to change. And so what we can do is we've got a choice. Every day, you and I can make the choice of whether or not we're going to use our words in a toxic way to bring death to ourselves or other people, or are we going to use our words to bring life to ourselves and life to other people? Because I want to say, and this is number three, that we can change the way that we talk. You can take control of your words. You and I, we don't have to walk around with this toxic words that reveal our heart. We can change the way that we talk. It says in Romans chapter 13, verse 14. This is not on the screen, but you should write this down. It says this. Every day, put on the Lord 
and make no provision for the flesh. Gratifying its desires. Every time I talk about somebody, every time I gossip, every time I constantly say a toxic word to myself about what God not be doing in my life, and I miss at the end of the day what it's doing. It's feeding who I used to be, what God wants me to walk away from, and it's causing me to miss who I can grow to become in Christ. And choices you can put on Jesus and change. You can put on Jesus and change. And so the key that we can start to do is we can begin to intentionally use our words to bring life. Intentionally choose to use our words to bring life to ourselves and other people. The problem that we're going to have, the problem with this, is that a lot of us like to do only what we feel. And listen, every time you and I make a choice to do only what we feel, we always lose. Because a lot of us are waiting for our feelings to lead us. But listen, here's what I've learned. Do what God is telling you to do, and feelings typically follow. In fact, this is just three. Some of you are here, and you're waiting for God to give you some special feeling, some special sign about the next step he's telling you to take. He's already told you to take it. Just take it, and the feelings will come. But we can intentionally use our words to bring life. So intentionally use our words. Intentionally speak praise and thanks to God every single day, every moment that we can think to use our words in that way. Intentionally speak praise and thanksgiving to God every single day. We wake up today and it's really cloudy and you know what we can do? We can say, you know what, today the Bible says rejoice because today is the day that God created and I will rejoice because God has made it. Instead of saying this, it's cloudy. Oh, Father, go back to bed. Right? Negativity, toxic words, we choose to use our words to lift up and to bring life and to say, Thanks and praise God instead of bring down. Did you know that's exactly why at the end of every service we do, I have to fight? At the end, we're going to do it at the end of this. At the end of every service, we have to We take a moment and we say, Church, let's thank God for what He did today. And then what do we do? We clap. Do you know why we clap? Here's why. Because somebody is going to leave today and this is all you're going to say. I think Jesus is too loud in church. Jesus is too loud. Way too loud. And here's what you're going to do. You're going to call somebody out. I just think the Lord is like some of my sheriff, man. Don't you think this is loud? This is loud. Just loud, loud. Just damn loud. Don't you? And they're going to say this. Well, I've never thought about it. Possibly so. What have you done? You brought them down, brought division into the church because you chose toxic words. When two seats down from you says the person, they're going to leave from the exact same service. You're complaining about how loud it is, and they're going to leave and say, you know what? God spoke in my life today, and then he turned it upside down. I think Jesus has done something really significant in my life. What's the difference? The difference isn't that God wanted to do something and then it's just not you. Maybe the difference is we just chose to live with toxic words. Intentionally, you got Thank you for today. God, thank you for this service. God, thank you for what you're doing in my life right now. I want to see how this is going to turn out. But God, thank you for intentionally choose to use our words to speak God's word to ourselves. What are you saying to me? I'm stupid. I'm a loser. It will never work out. God doesn't take care of me. What if this week, when something doesn't go the way that you wanted to, instead of listening to the same negative?
yourself all day for years and years and years. What if you start to say to yourself this week when something doesn't go your way, you say, you know what? This didn't go how I wanted it to, but God works all things together for good. And you chose to believe that over the toxic thought. We can intentionally choose to use our words that way. Intentionally choose, intentionally choose to thank someone that God has used in your life to make a difference. How many of you would say there's somebody in your life that God's used to make a difference? Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand right now. Somebody, there you go. Raise your hand next. Have you ever told them? Say that. You, so you're thinking. They know I'm thinking. No, they don't. No, they don't. They know my heart. You know why it's not coming out of your mouth? It's not in your heart. Say it. Intentionally choose to take your words and use them in that direction. But listen, listen, listen. The sermon today is not, hey, let's just try to talk differently. When we say intentionally use our words this way, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I want you to change the source of my talk. I want you to change the source of my behavior. God, I want you to do a deep work in my heart. And listen to me. Jesus took to the cross every toxic word that we have ever said, that we've ever said to ourselves, every toxic word anyone has ever said to us, Jesus took it to the cross, died for that sin, and three days later came back from the dead so that by his victory, we can have victory over this area of our lives. Because he lives, we can live in this area. And if you're here today, someone said to me years ago, and still to this day, the times of you are, let me just say, let God define you. Let God define who you are. If somebody else says, you're filthy, you're a mistake, you're dirty, God says that in Christ, all things can be broken. So today, the focus is not behavior, it's the source of the behavior. And asking God to do a deep words. Let's pray. You know, with every head back, with every act closed. I just want you to thank you for a second. Let's do a gut check. Let's do a gut check today. Right now. What do the words that you said this week say about what's going on in your heart? What do the words that you said this week say about what's going on underneath the surface? of our lives. Let's ask God to do something significant. Let's ask God to do a deep work in our lives today. Let's ask Him. Let's pray. Father, I just pray right now in, in the name of Your Son that right here in this room with every head bowed, with every eye closed, there's people here in the room they are still hurting from something that someone did to them years ago. Maybe they haven't said that, but the way that they talk, it's bringing them out. They're angry. Bitterness is there and it's all over the way that we talk and what needs to change is as if the words it's that our hearts need to change. There's people in the room and our words are marked with fear and worry and anxiety. And if you instead, a lot of times we're being driven by faith, we're driven by fear. And God, not only do our words need to change, the source of the words need to change. God, I pray for the person that's been defined by toxic words of someone else. 
God, I pray that today you do a healing work in their lives. God, I pray that today you do a healing work underneath the surface that only you can do. Listen, with every head out and every eye closed, I'm not going to ask anybody today. The question is not how many of you have toxic words that you'd like out to change. I'm not going to ask that because everybody, if they're honest, should raise their hands. This sermon is not for me to other people because I'm not in this one. I'm in this one. I write people off way too quick. I, I complain more than I give thanks. I'm in this sermon. I got stuff in my heart that needs to change. And what is that area in your heart that needs to change? So I'm not asking anybody, hey, do you have any toxic words? You want to stop using toxic words? Raise your hand. I'm not asking that today. But I will ask this question, and I will ask you to respond by raising your hands. How many of you today, in just these few moments that we've been together, we've been talking about this, how many of you today would say, you know what, Mark, God has put his finger on something, and he's showing me there's something underneath the surface that needs to change. Nobody else may see it. I might look good to everybody else, but there is something underneath the surface in my life that needs to change, and God is speaking to me about it today. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Raise your hand right now. Hands are going up all over this side right here. In the middle, hands are going up. I see those hands in the back. On this side over here to my right, hands are all over and also in the back. Hands all over the room of people who are saying, God is showing me there is something underneath the surface. And some, listen to me, God wants to work underneath the surface. He's not interested in doing some surface work where we leave. We might try to say a few nice things, stop complaining a little bit, and then a few days later, we go back to who we've always been. No, God wants to change us from the inside out in deep, significant ways. And we can go to another place in the book of James where James says this. He says, to confess our sins to one another for healing. Say, so what's that mean? What it means is this. Every person that raised their hand and every person that didn't, that thing that's underneath the surface where God is saying, hey, let's work on that. Let's change in that area. I want you to know God doesn't want you to go through that alone. There is power, church. There is power in looking at another brother and sister who's, who's not perfect. But there's power in looking at somebody else and saying, you know what? Nobody knows this, but I'm struggling here. You know what? Nobody knows this, but this is underneath the surface, and man, I just got to get it out. Nobody knows this, but this is underneath the surface, and it's tormented me for decades. There's power in bringing things into the light that were once into the darkness. And if you just raised your hand, and if you didn't just raise your hand, I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to bring it into the light. Say, how? Here's how. Right now, in the back of the room, there are people who are ready and waiting to talk to you. They're not going to tell anybody what you told them. The conversation stops here. It might not even be a conversation. It might just be you going to the back and saying, hey, man, you know what? God showed me something underneath the surface. Man, I need some prayer. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. If you raised your hand or if you didn't, I want to challenge all of you. Challenge you. Bring it into the light. How? Let's look at another brother and sister. Let's have a moment of honesty. Let's be real. Man, it's hard to do that. Let's do it. So if you raise your hand, you raise your hand, where God's telling you right now, hey man, this 
this is it. This, you got to deal with this. Here's what I want you to do. Get up out of your seat right now. Make your way to the back. Just say, man, I need you to pray with me. Go back here and pray with somebody. Get up right now. Or you go back there and you take a bridge with you. You go and do it. Does it take courage to do it? Absolutely. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Go right now. Go right now. And you might be thinking, hey, you know what? I should do this on the way for somebody else. What if you're the first person that takes that step and the person next to you says, you know what? I need to do that too. But here's what I want to challenge you to do. If God is speaking to you today, he's showing you something underneath the surface. You need to get up and go. And listen to me. If you get up and go right now, you're not alone because people are moving. Get up and go. Get up and go right now. Just go. Just go. Say, it's my first day ever in this church. Nobody knows me. Hey, you know what? We love you. We're glad you're here. Just go. Just go. You'll be back in your seat before this is over. Just go. I'm scared. I know you're scared. It takes courage. And you know what? The devil is trying to get all these guys to talk to somebody out of doing what we know you need to do. Just get up and go. People are still moving. People are still moving. You do what God's telling you to do today. Some of you are here and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. I think I'm a good person. I go to church a lot. I know people who go to church a lot. You know what? It doesn't matter. Because it's not behavior, what's going on underneath. Here's what, here's what God says God says that He loves you so much that 2,000 years ago He sent Jesus Christ and Jesus came to live a perfect life, die on the cross. For every sin you've ever committed, everything you've ever done, or did what you will do, took it to the cross, and three days later he came back from the dead. So that right now today, the Southern Community Church, the last Sunday of July, and this summer of 2013, in that scene, you can go to God and you can begin a relationship with Jesus Christ because good behavior is not going to get you accepted to God. Church attendance is not what gets you a relationship with God. It's through Jesus and Jesus alone that you get a relationship with God. And you don't need to go out and try to keep a bunch of rules. All you need to do is right there where you sit, ask God to pray, and pray a prayer just like this and say, Dear God, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. And He promises to do. So if you today want to begin a relationship with Jesus, you might look good, you might have always grown up in church, but I'm asking you underneath the surface, if God's never started a significant work, today is the day when he starts it. And right there where you sit, just pray this prayer with me silently. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I want to live for you to the best that I can from this day forward. Listen, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you just prayed that prayer, I want to count to three. And as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand. As soon as I say three, you raise your hand. If you just prayed that prayer, and today you want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. One, two, three. Do it right now. Do it right now if that's you. And if that's you, if that's you, I invite you to do the same thing a lot of people have already done and are doing it right now. Get a little to that. Talk to somebody about it. Because you have to start something. You have to start something to finish something. You've just entered in to a lifelong journey with Jesus. Taking that first step is not the last step. You've just entered in. You want to help. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for every person that's, that's either taking a step to the back. And God, I want to 
people, the people that are taking the step inside, that, that maybe they haven't physically moved, but God, you are healing wounds we've had for years. You are working underneath the surface. And so God, as we wrap up today, don't let it in. As we wrap up today, don't let it in. God, I pray that you would begin to speak to us and continue to speak to us about how we talk and what we say. Change every area of our lives. God, we want to surrender all we are to you. And we ask all of this in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, church, just like I said, let's thank God.